It's it's uh, exciting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I yeah, I know. I thought something. I woke up this morning and just immediately in my brain, I felt like maybe it was a holiday or something exciting. But you knew something special was going to happen today. It was something special? It yeah. took me a while to figure out. It was it was a show was this, on Tuesday. This show on Tuesday. Yeah, I know. Um, so. Uh, did you get any of the emails that I send you anymore? Do you care? <laughs> what What do you want me to do with them? Well, I don't know. I just want to make sure you saw them because I'm going to start. Uh, yeah, talking I get them. them. You You've been You've been sending a lot today because uh, all All I do that's my That's my rundown for the show is I just send you emails of things I want to talk about and I just hope to God that you're getting them. Well, I uh, <laughs> four minutes ago just <laughs> sat down at my desk for the first time today. So nice. no, I haven't been through them. Today nice. was today you had was kind of a uh, late morning. A lot going on this morning. Do you need to talk about it? No. Nope. Do you have anything you need to get off your chest? No, just a lot. <laughs> Did a lot of things this morning. <laughs> so during the time I would have spent reading your emails and and other things for the show, uh, I was doing lots of other stuff not, besides that. Not good enough, Dave. Not nearly good enough. Sorry about What's that. that. From What's that from? Go ahead and jump no, into your that? emails. What's that from? You got to give me that. No, not, I don't not know. Not good enough, Joe. That's not nearely good enough. I don't know it. You could have you could have run the whole catalog department. Still ringing no bells. Really? Uh-huh. For 400 bucks a week. <laughs> no closer now than when you first said it. Are you Joe Banks? Dude, come on, come just on. Give me the movie. I... Joe versus the volcano. Uh-huh. It's I you know, it's been about 15 years since I've seen that one. So no, I all right, all I, right. I can't quote any of those lines. Can we, can we talk about I, I usually can't quote lines from a movie I saw last week, so can that's you, just me. Can, can we talk about... Do you, I, th I think I remember something else I don't like about you, and that's that you're not watching The Walking Dead. Is that true? Oh, that's a weird way to say it, but yes, I am watching it and love it. All right, tell me what you thought of this week. Haven't seen this week yet. Spoiler alert! Don't, please. I'm going to do it. No, you can't do it. Why uh. would you do that to me? I just want to say this, and it's only because, uh, well, okay, because you know I have my, I'm also quite addicted to the show, and I, uh, you know, it's the most popular show on cable television. That seems to be a significant thing. But this season is, has had its ups and downs. Are you, I mean, how do you feel about this season so far? You feel like it's been better or worse than season one? Uh, I believe I've only watched one episode so far this season. What? And I think it's gotten more about interpersonal drama than a lot the first of drama. season. A lot of drama. Yeah. And, you know, I like that they've obviously developed the characters and their relationships, but, uh, and I like how they've been able to slowly add a few and drop a few, you know, over the seasons. Um, so it's kind of, it's all set up to to go for quite some time that way, but it's just, it's built into more of a, a little more soap opera e than it, than it, I, I think the first season and, and the first part of the second season, you got more into just this survival mentality and it, and it kept you kind of, you know, edge your seat because of that. And I think now it's a little more about, uh, you know, just, just uh, who likes who and who's going to betray who and who's the leader of the yeah. group and who's not the leader and well, wants to be. And and that's the that's the problem that that, that I guess is the problem that I have with that is the characters are very are, are becoming really predictable. You yeah. Know? Like I still love zombie on zombie action. Like I I <laughs> love it. I do love it, and I love the show. Season two is, there are some episodes that are just tough to get through. And then, you know, here we are at the end. And I just want to say that, this is my theory. You, have to, you haven't read the comic, right? No, no I never okay. have. Uh -uh. So the there are like 94 issues of the comic. It's been going on for years. The comic has been out for years, right? And um, so what happens as season two is we're at the end of season two. There's only one more episode uh, for the, the season two finale. And then we go on hiatus again. And uh, what happens in the episode this week 
in the comic happened in issue six. Hmm. Right? Issue six. So it, it's like going back in time. And uh, and they made some changes to it in the way we'll have to talk about it next week once you watch the actual episode. And by then, hopefully, you will have seen the season finale and we can we can totally spoil it. Um, but uh, so I'm not going to say anything more. I'm just going to say issue six. It all happens almost as it plays out in the in the show, but uh, in, in some with some significant differences. And I think I, I wonder if what they are trying to do is get back on track, because one of the things I liked so much about the first uh, issue or the first se- season was that, you know, they really brought the comic to life. And I think they got so far afield from the comic and so far into sort of Grey's Anatomy land that uh that that i hope they're trying to get back on track that's my that's my theory well that would be good yeah (laughs) right i got a really funny call this week from a listener what i know (laughs) a listener named megan no no in fact (laughs) a different (laughs) okay no, then I would have said from the listener. I didn't say that. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, no, it was uh, it, you know. For, I I think. Well, I don't know. You know how we're on this thing where we hate marketing marketers. Did you know we're it's on not that an thing? it's not an outright hate, but yeah, this yeah. this thing where we're 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 a little jaded yeah. by marketing strategies. We have a, a friend of the show. Uh, Amy he is a friend of the show on Facebook. She's she's been listening to the show, I, I guess, for a while now. And she calls me, and you know, we've we've, I think we've outed ourselves as being jaded, as as jaded as we are uh, over the last couple of episodes. She calls me, and she's she calls me several times. Like she's, you know, I she's I'm pretty easy to find. You know, we're Facebook friends, and so she tracks down my number. And she calls me, and she says, "Okay, first of all, I'm a marketer." <laughs> I said, "I, I know." She said. I hate marketers. <laughs> and I, I had this huge, I'm driving down the road. I'm going to pick up my kids from some such or another thing. And, and, uh, and she goes off on this, on this just wild haired bender about how much she hates marketers. And I was so excited. I was giddy. I practically had to pull over. I was so excited, uh, uh, to hear that we, we actually connected with another, uh, <laughs> real life marketer who also, uh, carries around the same sort of spite. And resentment that we do, but here's what she here's here's here was her pitch about why she hates marketers. She has been she was more specific than we have been, I think. And I think she put it in in a really good uh, in a really good frame, and uh, and so I wanted to share that. Yes. So, friend of the show, Amy, she says uh, the reason I hate marketers is because uh, marketers have uh, a lot of power. They're very powerful superheroes. I think I may be adding the superhero part. <laughs> but she said they have a lot of power. They have, they have these powers. And she said what she is seeing right now is so many of the vast majorities of uh, uh, majority of marketers are using their powers for evil. Well, that's that's why we keep talking I think about the uh the super PAC, you know, the campaign issues yeah. Yeah. is that um you know, you just sort of replace like campaign manager for VP of marketing and and you start talking about these budgets that have to be spent in the most yeah. obvious way possible. And we talk about how the American landscape in general is being shaped by, you know, not just the people in charge of creating the, the commercials and, and running the campaigns, but the money behind it. And she's spot on with that. And that, you know, you just, this is kind of, you know, we get into this campaign season and, and to, to those, I think, who see it from a marketing perspective, this is sort of unfurling as, uh, I don't know, mar- marketing on crack in a way, right? Well it, well, it is. And that was her example, which I thought was a pretty, was an interesting one, though. I don't, I certainly don't have any direct support that this happens or direct evidence that this is happening. But I wonder if it is happening. You know, she, she brings up, she says, you know, I, I rented a bunch of chick flicks uh, uh, over the weekend and she said, I'm watching them and I'm realizing that these characters, 
it's it's not like you know you're used to characters you know uh drinking coke on, on on tv or using you know a certain brand of computer or um you know mentioning certain products and how great they are you know product placement we're used to people doing that but she said what she's noticing now is um actors and celebrities who are actively bad mouthing uh certain products or companies uh on in you know an, an entertainment capacity and i i started to wonder uh is that really a, a great example of of marketing used for evil uh and you know her example was ashton kutcher uh, you know on uh two and a half babies men in a <laughs> yeah and a baby uh what is it <laughs> two and a half men on a baby's day two and, out. A, two and a half men on two and a half men the, the you know the <laughs> winning the old winning show i like two and a half men on a baby that, that's <laughs> or two and a half men and a baby sorry go ahead two and a half men and a baby and she and, and she said you know ashton kutcher who is now apparently on that show i haven't seen it uh, but apparently he's on that show and, uh-huh. uh, and he was, he started, uh, actively, or at least he actively slammed AT&T, uh, you know, for the, the context was discussing wireless signals and, and, you know, on one hand that could be, you know, uh, uh, that, well, that that's kind of gauche now. I there's mean, there's no ad lib on a show like that one. So we know that one was written and editorially approved. Well, that that that's sort of what I'm thinking. So you you start to wonder who's you know who's lining that particular pocket, right? You know, like is is there something going on there? It's probably I, not Verizon. It, it, no, you know, I don't know. Who, who I'm just kidding. Uh, I, uh, but but it, it's fascinating to me that there is a uh, that that uh, you know she brought that up, and I thought that was interesting. Then she sent. Uh, to follow up on this, and then I'll get off this this topic, unless you really really want to talk about it. But she sent this thing. Uh, beware of images. Did you look at that email? No, it's a well, document. No, I'm telling you, I was going to do show no, you prep don't, today. And I know, and I called. I had stuff going on. No, you you're a busy guy, buried knee deep in stuff. I gotta morning. I gotta read this. If you if you go to beware of images, I'm going to do some reading now, and and there might be kind of a long stint of reading. I hope you find it uh, in some way uh, entertaining. Beware of Images is a um, it's a, a documentary. So here's here's the background of Beware of Images. You can find it uh, and follow along at BewareofImages.com. In 1929, the Belgian artiste, artiste, artist René Magritte created The Treachery of Images. The painting showed a pipe, and under it, the paradoxical inscription, This is not a pipe. When it was pointed out to him that he had created what he had created was, in fact, a pipe, Magritte replied, Okay. You should try filling it with tobacco then. Stated ten years before the infamous World War II propaganda campaigns, Magritte's warning was clear. Beware of the seductive and deceptive power of images. Religious institutions, governments, and corporations have mastered this power and exploited it to advance their interests. Unfortunately, these practices are at the root of today's social, ecological, and financial problems. And as a representation and as representation technologies become more sophisticated, their sources more centralized, and their reach broader, the problems are bound to become more challenging. Beware of Images is a feature-length animated documentary about the history of visual representation. The movie explores the intricate relationship between the technology, regulation, and social effects of mass media. Its aim is to serve as an educational and entertaining media literacy tool that can be enjoyed by everyone. All right, so that's the documentary. It's uh, Sergio Toporek. Uh, documentary. He's the director. He's an artist, designer, and independent filmmaker. Uh, it says here his work explores the relationship between art, mysticism, science, and technology. Uh, he's designed over 80 CD covers, working with musicians as varied as Luis Miguel and Cafe Tacuba. He's from Mexico City, now in Vancouver. It looks like a really interesting uh, documentary project that this guy's coming up with. And one of the images that apparently is coming out of that uh, is a Banksy image. You know who this uh, Banksy is? I do. Exit through the gift shop. You want to you wanna share Banksy? Yeah, he's a graffiti artist. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Uh, uh, I don't know. Is he is he British or just he's lives? British? He's British. As far as uh, we know, he's, yes. an, he's an activist, graffiti artist, uh, and and uh, director. Well, uh, did you see Exit Through the Gift Shop? Uh, you know, I haven't actually seen it. 
I've you seen it. See it. It's you on Netflix. It. I mean, I see it always comes up because, you know, I watch like the dragon tattoo stuff. So it comes as my, you know, because you've seen the girl with the dragon tattoo, you'd like this one too. Well, you should see it. Well, you mentioned activist. And I think one of the best parts of that, um, I don't know what he's about to do here that you're saying, but he, <clears throat> there's a really, there's a highlight of the video or of the movie where he, uh, uh, it was a protest against the Guantanamo prisoners and he did it in Disneyland. It's really, <laughs> it's fascinating. I mean, it's just That's fascinating. Awesome. Oh yeah. You'll, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but you'll have to watch the show. It's well, it's the, 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 it, uh, billed as the world's first street art disaster movie, Hmm. which is, I, I think I, you know, that's a tagline. I want to, I want to watch that movie. Yeah, you should see that movie. I, you know, I was going to say along the lines of, uh, you know, we were talking about product placement. Um, I'm still excited to see the Lorax movie. Haven't seen it yet. It, it reviews well, but I'm a little baffled about how a movie with the that underlying message has apparently um, gone as far as it has in in uh, product placement. Does tell that me, tell me why. You as odd? Well, you know, I haven't seen it yet, but I'll tell you um, on uh, this uh, this week's movies we like. Uh, Andy saw it. He took his his uh, I believe he took his daughter to see it, and uh, said he didn't like it. Uh, we talk about it on, on movies we like and uh, briefly in the beginning, and uh, uh, you know his take on it was that it was uh, you know it was more of a Seuss film than Horton hears a Who, but still they messed a lot of stuff up. That's okay. the summary. Well, I guess so, hard to make a feature film out of a short book, but um, yeah. I don't know if it's that hard. A lot of people have done it, right? A lot of a lot of Stephen Spiel or a lot of uh, Stephen King's or movies. How how am I trying to say? Well, this? hey, a lot I, of my favorite know, Stephen King inspired films were from Stephen King short stories. Well, I was just going to say that. I mean, you look at uh, at the Colorado Kid, which was a you know one of those sort of pulp novellas, and they made that into a whole uh, TV series that I think is really great. Uh, Haven on the sci-fi channel, which is terrific. Yeah. It's not impossible, but no. anyway, yeah. I'd, so we didn't, we didn't really talk machine. about the, I just um, thought that's a little, I just ironic in a bad way. Yeah. And again, haven't seen the movie, but what I've heard, uh, I have seen a couple of things about the lengths they go to push products and corporations in that movie. It seems, just seems ill-placed, but anyway. Interesting. Uh, I, did I make that phrase up ill-placed? Well, Sorry. you know, I mean, it's all you, about you let commitment. get away with it. It's so. all about commitment to a to a theme. Right? If you use it enough, it'll stick. Anyway, uh, you know, I'm just uh, looking up to see if there's anything really obvious. Uh, Can I tell um, you what I'm excited about? Yeah, but I got to read this Banksy thing. Oh, oh so I, let me know if you're going to totally go change ahead. the. I, I was. I was going to go way off topic. Let me just then let me just read this because I want to hear what you think. And I'm about to swear. So this is actually going to get. Uh, I'm going to have to put an explicit tag on this. <sighs> Uh, we'll but it's Banksy swearing. This is from an editorial. Uh, this is an editorial swear. Uh, and so, okay. So what I'm looking at here is an image that is Coca-Cola red. Uh, and so if you get that idea, it's that bright red. It's got the Coca-Cola swoop, swish, swoosh. Uh, and in Coca-Cola swoosh? Yeah, you know, it's a Nike swoosh. No, it's a Nike swoosh. What's the Coca-Cola swoosh thing? You know, that kind of okay. band that, that, that white. I got it. Okay, I got it. Right. You can visualize yeah. that. Uh -huh. And instead of, you know, Coca-Cola, uh, in the, the logo type, the cursive kind of logo type, it says instead, fuck that. Oh yeah. Right, there goes the explicit. And here you go. Here's, this is it. I'm going to read some more. So settle that, settle down. People are taking the piss out of you every day. They button to your life, take a cheap shot at you, and then disappear. They leer at you from tall buildings and make you feel small. They make flippant comments from buses that imply you're not sexy enough and that all the fun is happening somewhere else. They're on TV making your girlfriend feel inadequate. They have access to the most sophisticated technology the world has ever seen, and they bully you with it. They are the advertisers, and they are laughing at you. You, however, are forbidden to touch them. Trademarks, intellectual property rights, and copyright law mean advertisers can say whatever they like, what, say what they like, wherever they like, with total impunity. Fuck that. Any advert in a public space that gives you no choice whether you see it or not is yours. It's yours to take. Rearrange and reuse. You can do whatever you like with it. 
Asking for permission is like asking to keep a rock someone just threw at your head. You owe these companies nothing, less than nothing. You especially don't owe them any courtesy. They owe you. They have rearranged the world to put themselves in front of you. They never asked for your permission. Don't even start asking for theirs. Banksy. He's uh, he's an interesting cat. Well, where does so? How does that hit you? You know what I, I what I pulled up as you were reading that was the uh, adbusters.org. Do you ever read Adbusters? Yeah, the magazine yeah. or see it? I guess. I mean, it's been around for a little while, but um, and they do a lot of that where they sort of take a logo or a company and rearrange it for their own use mm-hmm. to kind of. Um, I mean, it's just this anti-capitalism mm-hmm. magazine for the most part. It's not necessarily anti-ad agencies, but I guess it is. Um, but that's, you know, I mean, that's the corporate extension that all of us see uh, outside of buying the product or experiencing the company is the advertising that is in our face all the time. We have no choice about, uh, and it's, I, I think that that, I think he's very articulate and I think he's he's his activism is generally very thoughtful and and provocative. So as a spokesperson for for that vein of thought, um I think he's he's got some authority. Uh and I think he taps into uh I mean what I think to some people is a raw nerve to others a latent sort of subconscious um, <laughs> uh, frustration. And I think it exists for a lot of people. And I think you you bury it to the extent that you want to sort of go on with your life. Otherwise, it's uh, it's a raw nerve to be that bombarded. I mean, to live in a, in, in a city like New York or, or London, you're certainly bombarded left and right by advertising. And, and if you're... You know, if the economy hasn't been treating you well or, or, or you've been laid off or you don't feel like the economy or the, or the corporate, um, whatever, the capitalistic society you live in is serving you well, it becomes all the more unnerving. Yeah, I, I, think, you, I, I think you hit it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I almost feel like you may be uh, downplaying it a little bit, just the the sort of raw nerve. I think there are a lot of people who are downright enraged about being inundated with messages all the time, and I think we're we're sort of hitting that point. Um, and and it begs the question, you know, who because you know, like you said in the beginning, we it's not that we hate all marketing; it's that the it's that you know, it, how do you get, um, you know, how do you you gain awareness through the jaded sort of uh, audience? Well, and here's something. This is this is maybe a little off topic, but to me, there's a there's a link here. I was watching. I don't know if you saw uh, 60 Minutes on Sunday, did you? Mm. No. So you so you may already know about this. I didn't know about this until I saw 60 Minutes on Sunday. But they did a show about Khan Academy. Have you ever heard of Khan Academy? Yeah. Oh yeah. He just uh, they just announced an iPad app. Uh, this Khan uh, is uh, what's his name? Solomon? Not sure. Showman. I'm gonna write that down. I didn't know Solomon. they had an iPad app. It just Con came out. IPad. I think it came out with the uh, uh, in in concert with the 60 Minutes. I mean, it was announced like I, it, it was well timed. Well, okay. I I was you know I, I was fascinated. I mean, this con guy is basically a, a, a math genius um, and has created a nonprofit. Um, he's got some some funding. I think fifteen million came from Bill Gates uh, to expand and to hire other smart people. But he he has this very basic method of creating these little YouTube videos that don't include his face or or you know it's just he's um, kind of writing on a a blackboard or whatever, but he's walking you through pre-algebra, algebra one, algebra two, you know, pre-calculus, calculus, trigonometry, geometry. And, uh, and apparently it's, it's, oh, he's got like 4 million viewers or whatever. And it's this beautiful, I mean, apparently he's just, has a perfect approach to helping a lot of people get through math step by step. And, uh, anyway, and it, 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 it's supplemental, uh, for most kids, I guess, to, to really get ahead and, and work through, um, their, their high school math experience. But, 
uh, and it actually inspired me to, to I, like, I'm, I was after watching 60 minutes, I was, um, watching the videos and going back into some algebraic, you know, just like, wow, this is, I really like his approach. It was very comfortable and it's pretty exciting, but anyway, really smart, really great. It, it's a beautiful thing. It's a not for profit. And then I got to thinking how, and it's, you know, I mean, he's, he's living, uh, he does all this out of, I think, Palo Alto. So not a cheap place to live, but, um, but he's very, very committed to this notion of free education and, and being not for profit. And, uh, um, again, has really figured some things out, attracted a huge audience and, and becoming more and more high profile all the time with what he's doing and how he's helping people. And you stop and think, at least I did anyway, stop and stopped. And, and you just sort of think about how two things that really make a lot of sense as being not for profit, um, are in my opinion, I don't want to get political here, but healthcare and, and education. Um, and you and I both have spent some time in the for-profit education world, uh, on the marketing side of that. And that's why you know, we, that's why we're how we are. <laughs> it's not necessarily an evil thing, but you stop and think like, well, why does it have to be? Why? I mean, these are, it's not just that they do well as for-profit enterprises. No. And it's not just that a lot of people make a lot of money in education and healthcare, but you think through it, they're almost recession proof. I mean, they can grow in a recession, um, you know, and then they grow when the economy's good. I mean, it's just, there's always so much money to be had in both those spheres. And again, it's, uh, you know, a doctor makes a lot of money, uh, you know, a for-profit education company makes a lot of money. Well, there's a need there and people are willing to pay for that need. And, you know, it's not an evil thing, but you do stop and think, I mean, you sort of, I don't know. I just, I stop and cheer for the guy, uh, this Khan Academy who's saying, I just want to change people's lives. I just want to do good. I just want people to learn. I want people to understand math. I love math and I don't, you know, I, I don't want to create a huge for-profit empire out of helping people do that. And just in my mind, I just stop and think it's, you know, it's just, it's an interesting arena for somebody to have that opinion because at the same time he could probably be making a fortune doing what he's doing well and and here's a you know that that, that sort of gets to my kind of overarching kind of theory of why uh, I, why I ended up getting out of for-profit education in the first place because the longer I worked there and the sort of the more entrenched in the bureaucracy, the, the administrative side of of for profit education, the the more sort of disconnected I became, or, or the more I became aware of the of the disconnect between running the business, telling the story of the business, and actually delivering the product of the business. Right there, mm -hmm. there were you know the administration that that ran the organization. I don't, you know, they were not connected to the experience in the classroom at all. And the experience in the classroom was the single most important experience that could be, you know, tied back to that institution, not according to those running the organization. And I should say that the people running the organization now are not the same people that were running it then. And so, you know, but they're still running organizations, but they're still so. running organizations. And that's the, that's the, that's the piece that there is a, and I think that's what, why so many of the uh, when we start poking at some at so many of the uh, campaigns that end up being just sort of inane and and ill considered it's because they are being considered by people who are you know likely disconnected from the product and you know so i look at this uh, did you see the the solve media uh a bit you you probably haven't looked at that because you know you were had things going on this morning so i didn't no. solve media uh so this is the idea right they this is you you have you have to kind of imagine you have a web video. Um, you want you want to watch them. You're a consumer, right, of web video. You want to watch these videos on the line, but you want to watch them for free. And you also, uh, you know, so you know the the answer to that is you're going to have to watch an ad, probably a pre-roll ad on some website or another, and it'll be kind of you know it'll get in the way of what you want to what you want to watch the content you want to consume as a consumer. And uh, so you also don't want to watch that ad. You, you're like, I want, to, want my free video and I want to eat my cake too, right? You know that. You know that feeling. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. Solve Media has come up with this idea. This is an ad tech company. So you already know how to position yourself. You're, you're ready. 
sit down. They let you skip the pre-roll commercials, right? After you type in a branding message into a text box. Hmm. Can, can you imagine? So and here's, here's Peter Kafka on uh, All Things D. So rather than watch an ad for Toyota's RAV4 before you watch a video on AOL's Huffington Post, you can now type in, quote, no time to waste and go right to the video. So you have to, you're watching this 30 second video and you think, oh my gosh, I don't, I really don't want to watch that. I will type no time to waste or I love Toyota or, or whatever they, you know, they're the, the pre-programmed message is here's the branding phrase. You have to type it in and then you can skip the video. How's that, how's that strike you? I'm still trying to get my head around it. You, so the the brand message you have to type in is the brand message from that commercial. So you're proving that you already get it be, so you don't have to watch it? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Skip the video, type in a slogan. And so in this case, they actually have the, uh, the the brand message that they want you to type, right? They have it in the in a box in quotes. And so they they show you what they want you to type, and it might be you know in the in the Toyota demo that they show on the the Solve Media, um, you know pre roll brand message demo, which we'll put in the show notes. Uh, it actually tells you you need to type 2012 Camry in order to skip this ad, right? So they tell you what to type, and then you're supposed to type it. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just another angle, I guess. I, I, I think the thing that's, you know, I brought up education and healthcare, but I, but the other area that um, is, is uh, sort of always um, riding the fence or whatever, I guess, of capitalism and art or, or, or being nonprofit or whatever is, is, you know, is movies or, or, uh, this has always been the case. I think it's not new that product placement exists in movies or that you have to watch commercials to see TV shows or basically that the artist has to get paid somehow. Um, but I don't think it will, I don't think we'll ever get over the discomfort of needing to understand brand messaging from a corporation to, to see a movie clip you know what I mean? Well, or, and that's or, actually a great example, right? I mean, I, if I, uh, you know, movie uh, clips and trailers are, uh, you know, that's the brass ring, right? That's an advertisement, a two and a half minute advertisement that people actually want to see. Mm-hmm. Right. So there. <laughs> and, you know, I've I've seen... I've been to movies where there have been a couple of uh, commercials before the movie that were also like two and a half minute, basically artistic projects and, and like Levi's commercials or Coke commercials or, you know, where they're, where the company is allowed more freedom, more time essentially to create something really engaging. And you're sitting in a movie theater wanting to be entertained and you're not necessarily annoyed but when I'm watching a movie and and my suspension of disbelief is suspended <laughs> because I'm being bombarded with obvious product placement, mm -hmm. something's not right. right. And, and it's just something that I think it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's, you know, I think a lot of times somebody, you know, if we're talking about, say, a film festival or something where the things are, are supposedly very independent – um, and low budget, and you've got artists who are trying to, you know, tell a story or convey a message. Uh, it's hard for advertising to not get clumsily in the way of that. Did you say? Did you, did you ever see the show? Was it State in Maine with uh, Alec Baldwin? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah <laughs> remember at the very end when? <laughs> they're running out of budget they're not sure the movie can be get made and all of a sudden some uh internet startup gives them i think it was like a million bucks or something to finish the movie and but it's an it's a western themed period piece <laughs> so they've got, they've, you remember at the very end they've got to come up with a way to put it was like kazoom.com or something like that and they use a knot in the fence for the dot 
thought it was really funny. That That's was a. Uh, I, I don't remember, but I, I do remember the movie. That a, that, <laughs> so anyway, just a, anyway. you know, it's not like it's a brand new concept. It's not like no. Wow, just all of a sudden the Lorax is doing product placement. I can't believe it. It's been happening forever. Yeah. And again, it's just it's that's just sort of an awkward thing that you know. Again, sometimes I think it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Well, it 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 really calls it 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 calls on us all to be really you know to to be circumspect when you feel like you're being you know like you're being sold all the time. Well, yeah, you take it yeah to the to length of sort of Banksy's comments. Yeah. Which, which I think is a very, and it gets back to that. I think it's a very real sentiment right now. There was another one that I had talked about that I was really interested in, um, in, in hearing about your, your just gut reaction to this. So, cause we, we were talking about, um, uh, South by Southwest, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I, I guess it's, is it wrapped up? Uh, it's still going. It's still I, I going on. The interactive the festivals well. that I wish yeah. I was at and I'm not at. I pretend they didn't happen. Well, so uh, marketing agency this uh, um, picked up on uh, Slashdot. Marketing agency Bartle Bogle and Higgerty has launched a controversial charity scheme at this year's South by Southwest Festival, in which homeless people are being used to provide Wi-Fi hotspots. The project Homeless Hotspots seeks to address people's need for a high-speed data connection at the festival in Austin, Texas by issuing the homeless t-shirts that say, I am a... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> t-shirt. I'm going to let you read it. <clears throat> <laughs> by issue... <laughs> <clears throat> data... <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I had t-shirts. it so I could read it. Texas by issuing the homeless with t-shirts that say, I am a 4G hotspot. Passersby may then pay what they wish, either in cash or PayPal, to get online 4G networks via the Wi-Fi device that a homeless person is carrying, and then proceeds to go to the front steps homeless shelter, and then proceeds, (laughs) and the proceeds go to the front steps homeless shelter in Austin. That's the end. (laughs) Uh, you know, here's here's what I'll have to say about it. You wanted my gut reaction. My gut reaction is I've seen uh, a lot of links to stories about this story, <laughs> and everything seems to be really controversial, and people are on one side or the other on this issue, and I've just thought, well, that's an issue I don't have to get worked up about if I don't read the stories, so I won't. Well, too Sounds late. <laughs> Homeless folks that are Wi-Fi spots. I don't know what to make of that. I really don't. I am a 4G hotspot. <laughs> it sounds it sounds crass. It does. It's so <laughs> crass. It sounds it really crass. So, I'm sorry. It is so hard right now. I I absolutely agree uh that there I mean clearly there there is a shelter problem uh in this country absolutely we have there there is a uh, we have a problem with people living on the street we should we've got this is a problem that you know we need to be to be involved in 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 uh, you know it's a problem and i at this i cannot take this plan as well intentioned as it may be i cannot take it seriously it but seems like it, the most insulting, crass, disingenuous implementation of somebody's good, otherwise probably good intention that I think I've ever seen. But at the same time, they have I, a video of Clarence, the homeless guy with his little T-shirt on. <laughs> and it. Hey, man, he got paid. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, th- this is the first time. I mean, you know, you see homeless folks around. You think, what, wh- which company? We'll utilize these people as a walking billboard. And, yes. and these, these are the ones who did. Yes. So far, this could be the tip of the iceberg because if you, if you're willing, you know, if you, if you say, Hey dude, will you wear this t-shirt if I hand you, you know, 50 bucks yeah. today yeah. and you just stay visible and, and I mean, you know, what, what, what brand, because you can't, you know, I mean, the dude may get, completely drunk he may spend the day 
stumbling around the streets. He may offend people. Yeah, well, talk and that's, to himself. That when you read the comments on uh, on Slashdot, you get this wide swath of kind of uh, reaction, and and you know it, it, there are. There are people who have this, you know, general feel that, you know, why don't the proceeds go to the homeless person carrying the equipment? And there's actually a, you know, a, a, the homeless person doesn't keep the money for the same reason that the cashier at McDonald's doesn't keep the money. The profits end up going to a homeless shelter in Austin. Yeah, it just sound, you know, it sounds just, like a hopelessly circuitous yes, argument. It, it really does. And and so then they get into this whole sort of why people are homeless and why they aren't working. And that's where that's the problem with this whole plan. Right. Is because it it makes people take sides on an issue that's not just how do we get Austin wired to be able to handle capacity uh, in in this major. And that's the problem that I think is, is we're trying to solve. And they're using a massively controversial resource. And well, the biggest problem is they're considering human beings, human beings as a resource to address this problem. And that's the part that I find that that I I. I find is so well, ridiculous. It, it, it's degrading. I mean, there's a there's a there's a commoditization of human beings here that um, I don't know. Honestly, I it, it's so easy to pick a side on that one and argue for the point. Just well, there are people in you know they need money and they could use it and whatever. And then at the other side, but they're human beings and they're being commoditized. Oh, but wait a minute, but it helps them and there are worse things they could be doing. I just you know, you could just go on and on and on all day long, and I don't want to jump in. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, I don't know. You know, this is the thing about marketing. Like on the one side, you can say, uh, gee, that's inventive. <laughs> that's fascinating. Where will that go? What's the next step? Who else jumps in? Uh, these guys were okay with it, apparently. So what harm is being done? And and, and it's it's... This is one of those very weird sort of this is what I think continues to make marketing fascinating on some level is that like, gee, this is either really horrible or it's really fascinating. And it's kind of both. And yeah. and it happens all the time in one way or another. I mean, we're all commoditized essentially by marketing I mean, a lot of people drive around a car, for instance, that advertises the dealership they bought it from for the life of the car. Yeah. And they didn't pay. They, they, they're getting no reimbursement whatsoever for that. They continue to do it. Well, so I, I think here's the here's the, so we've we've just had that sort of reactionary um, experience. Right. And you don't don't want to get too embroiled in it. I have I certainly have my. Uh, my gut reaction. I think that's that's something that you know. If you're BBH Media, you have to to deal with. Now, if you dig a little bit further and and you look at uh, uh, at, at sort of BBH and why you know where how they may or may not be well intentioned uh, from Wired.com from the Epicenter blog. Uh, here is uh, gosh, this is uh, Tim Carmody uh, writing. He writes, you see. Before BBH Labs created Homeless Hotspots or The Guardian's much lauded The Three Little Pigs video about news in the age of social media and citizen journalism, a team of the same of, of these same BBH Labs interns created Underheard in New York, which gave four homeless men mobile phones, Twitter accounts, and unlimited texting to share their lives and tell their stories. These stories were amazing, particularly Danny, who was able to use Twitter to locate and reunite with his estranged daughter. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, here's a program that ran for looks like 60 days and, um, uh, you know, they've, they obviously have this sort of storytelling vent or bent and they, you know, they, they're working to help, um, propel the stories of homeless and kind of make, uh, make these, these stories more, uh, visible to those of us who, who may not see this issue every day. For those of us who don't actually leave our homes, <laughs> I was going to say, if you live on the West Coast, you see this every day. You see this every day, absolutely. But, but there is a, you know, there's there is a. So so there are these two pieces. There's this initial gut reaction, and then there's there's sort of the story behind the story, and and that is is most often the story that's more interesting, and and the one that that came out in Austin. Just you you can't help but have that. Most people are not going to have take the time to to look at the at the story behind the story 
No. How about, uh, so I don't know if this is on the, is on topic or not, but I, I feel like there's a, a link here. Um, people who auction off their bodies to companies to pay them to permanently tattoo the corporate logo on some part of their body. Well, you know, I was going to, I was going to actually bring that up because that was, uh, you know, I think it was probably 10, 15 years ago, right? The first person who actually got, uh, got a, a corporate sponsor to pay their way through college by tattooing, you know, their body with that logo. Um, you know, I don't remember the one, the one in Utah that was crazy was some woman auctioned off her, her face to the highest bidder. The highest bidder only paid 10 grand and it was an online casino company that I thought at the end of the day should have said, you know what, your face, let's not do that. Let's go with another part of your body. Mm-hmm. They went ahead and put their company on her face for 10 grand. I yeah, thought, that's that I, I could blow through 10 grand fast. Oh, yeah. I'd regret that in a that's hurry. That's a big regret. Yeah. But, you know, so <laughs> I, I think that the person kind of has to decide for themselves. Yeah. And without money, that it's worth it somehow. I think when companies say, "Okay, yeah, we'll we'll do that," yeah, um, yeah, I think everybody's putting themselves out there a little bit because, yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, you know, I think that's see the only other thing I had to talk about, uh, which was you know we've talked about uh, Google Plus uh, before on the show and what it's all about, and I had sent you this article from uh, Business Insider. Um, uh, let's see, Matt Rossoff uh, writing, and and his his piece is called "So That's What Google Plus Is Really About Advertising." Right now, I I love Google Plus. Um, I I I love it because it is it has quickly become a, a kind of a mainstay in in my business. Not because of necessarily the social aspect of it, but because of the quick uh, uh, access to these Hangouts. I use Hangouts every single day. Do you really? I do every day hours a day with uh, with clients who we've you know we've sort of moved um, you know client meetings into Google Plus because having that multi-point video that is free and so easy to jump in and out of um, has has made uh, you know meetings and I, I don't have really any local clients uh, here in Portland and so most of what I do is is with folks who are on the East Coast or California or whatever and so it makes it really um, really easy to jump in and out of, of these meetings so uh, you know, while I love the social aspect of Google Plus too, my my real support is of of having Google Plus be successful is in their innovation and in, in you know these these channels. So uh, you know, it, it, this is an interesting piece and really pretty predictable. Rossoff writes, um, uh, "Let's see." Here we go. Uh, Google's slipperiness. Well, let's see. Uh, talking about Facebook advertising. So uh, there, uh, much of this, I think, is in response to people saying that, you know, Google Plus is a ghost town compared to Facebook. And we talked about statistics about how many minutes per month people uh, ex- people spend on various social networks, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Google Plus. Google Plus is like three minutes a month. People, you know, in, in terms of spending time on the website. Mm-hmm. Um Compared to you know Facebook's over four hundred, so uh, Vic Gondotra, who's um, Google's VP of uh, 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 something famous, uh, social chief, he's the the head of social. Uh, he says we are seeing five to ten percent click through rate uplift on any ad that has a social annotation on our own websites. We've been in this business for a long time, and there are very few things that give you a five to ten percent increase on ad engagement. Rossoff writes, "That's an amazing result. Google regularly fine tunes and tweaks its search advertising technology in hopes of increasing click-through rates by a few tenths of a percentage point. An uplift of five to ten percent is a really big deal. Another way of looking at it, the Google Plus service is bait. All Google wants you to do is create a profile." And link to some friends with it. After that, Google doesn't really care if you never visit again, as long as you sign in for any other service like Gmail, Google service like Gmail, and then recommend an ad or a website once once in a while. So Google can put that information in front of your other Google friends. All is well with the world. Five to ten percent. That gets to what Facebook has been talking about for the longest time, which is um, this whole idea of social advertising that 
if you go to, and I'm seeing this all the time, I, you know, when I, when I go to Google and I do a search in the Google search engine, if I'm logged into any Google property, what I'm going to see underneath those each search result is uh, a collection of people in my network that have shared the sites that, uh, you know, that I'm looking at. And the, and so I will likely click on the sites that have been shared by the people that, uh, that I are already in my network. Uh, that's, that is, that that sort of uplift, I think, that they're talking about. So, how do you feel about um, celebrities being paid for tweets? Well, you, you mean so? I, I paid Charlie yeah. Sheen fifty yeah. grand to say how much he loves my website. I find it uh, just as onerous as celebrities being paid to you know wear a certain aftershave. Sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's on the. It doesn't offend me at all. But well, <laughs> I, think, I think it's. I, I think, think it's, it's. It's interesting. You know how. So what you're talking about, I think, is along the best case scenario lines of what we envision or want. You know, social media sharing to be um, when it comes to 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 companies and commerce and that kind of thing is is that you have people you trust and you like and they're in your circle and in one way or another and they mention or post or whatever it's Pinterest or it's Google Plus or you know something uh, an article a, a picture um uh, a link to a website and we put some stock into that because we trust them we trust their opinion or you know we feel like there's at least some level of um uh, it, it's not disingenuous in any way. Uh, and then on the other hand, you know, Charlie Sheen gets paid X number of dollars to just mention, or, you know, Lindsay Lohan just says something. But, but that's the, but that's the point. And, and, and I think that's honestly where Google is doing some good and Facebook too is doing some good in this area, which is sort of raising the awareness that that the people that I resonate with, right? The the reason, okay, so let's just say, I, I as an example, I'm going to search, give me something to search for. What should I search? Give me a product. Give me a product you're thinking about today. Monster. Red Bull. Well, it doesn't really matter. I already just uh, did a search <laughs> for Monster, right? Okay. And, uh, you know, what comes up is... Uh, my, there are two things that that uh, that come up uh, that are of interest to me. The first one is uh, Monster Cable, or actually Monster.com, and the second is Monster Cable. And the third is uh, Over the Monster for Boston Red Sox films fans. Two of those. Uh, no, there are three. There's another one. Audiophile Deathmatch, Monster Cables versus a Coat Hanger. Okay, so... Those are the two that I'm going to focus on because let's just say I'm, I, that's what I was thinking you were going to talk about was Monster Cables. And so Monster Products is MonsterCable.com. That's the actual brand for Monster, uh, you know, cables. And uh, nobody has shared that. It's it's just in my Google search results. It's a normal Google search result. The next one below that for Monster Cable is Audiophile Deathmatch Monster Cables versus a Coat Hanger. And it was actually shared by someone in my network, Matt Buchanan, who uh, and it's his uh, Gizmodo article. But because Matt Buchanan, I know Matt, I know Matt's name, uh, I, I should say, and if I and, and I am more likely to click on his editorial piece on monster cables before the product itself, because so you, you because I see that someone in my social network has actually shared that article on in search results. And, That's huge. And did the fact that he's in your social network have any bearing on you being delivered that search result, do you think? Well, uh, probably, but it's actually interesting because what comes up in my search results, it's it's organized, you know, you get the, the official sponsored site first, which is a sponsored ad from monster.com, the job search engine. And then the natural search result, which is also monster.com, which was shared by someone else in my social network, uh, uh, you know, who... Um, is not a, she's actually a, a social friend, not an editorial person. So I won't use her name. But um, so I see this other person that I know who shared Monster.com on on 
you know, gave that a plus one. So that shows up. But then, you know, I get Monster Cables, Monster Energy Drink, Monster the IMDb listing for the 2003 movie, Monster the Wikipedia entry, all the way down through a series of uh, videos on YouTube, news from Google News, and then the Gizmodo article from Matt Buchanan. So it was at the very bottom of my page. Of uh, first page of search results, and yet I'm still more likely to to click it as I sort of scrolled through that page rather than, um, you know, the the actual company list. That's the one that sticks out at me because it has my friend there. And I wonder if people, if I am an anomaly. I'm totally I'm an anomaly in a lot of things, and I make assumptions based on based on my own experience all the time that end up being incorrect. But I wonder if this is the sort of shift. That Google is seeing both in their, you know, also in their ad placement. That when I see an ad come up, if it has a, you know, you know, Dane Christensen gave this one a plus one. Uh, if I'd be more likely to click on it, and what Vic Gundotra is saying that I would be, in fact, five to ten percent more likely to click on it. Which is, wait a minute. So that's different. You're talking about plus wanting something and and that, that and its impact versus being uh well your plus ones can also will also show up like i could plus one the official monster.com uh ad like the the link on the website and then you should be able to see my plus one in your social network when that ad gets served right and so that that's the impact you're talking about exactly percent okay yeah i was thinking it had something to do with being uh aligned within google plus i guess as well a network. It, it is but that's the whole thing right i've i've gone through the work of creating this network i have people in circles and now uh the payoff is i'm more likely to click on search results with my when my networks uh, when people in my network are attached to them attached to results in in these other google products not in google plus other google products Right. So, so now I, I built my network on Google Plus, but Google is seeing the payoff in uh, YouTube and search and Gmail anywhere that there are ads that are served through the Google network. That's a big deal. So it that's why people are saying, you know, Google may not care as much, although I think deep down they do care about interaction on the social network. But, you know, pundits are hypothesizing that, in fact, Google doesn't care as much about actual interactivity on the Google ser- or Google Plus service page because they are seeing such a payoff in, in um, you know, advertising. Very interesting. Social advertising. Facebook's doing the same thing. This was another one that, that just keeps popping up. You know, you click on, a, uh, on, you click on one baby ad, uh, you know, and suddenly all, all you see in Facebook ads are, uh, you know, are for diapers. That happened. I mean, Facebook's so good at that. I mean, I see that in real time. I, I posted an image, you know, I posted uh, an image of uh, nachos. I made some nachos the other night. They were, they were really, they were nachos. Well, I'm a fan of nachos. These were breakfast nachos. I feel like having some right now. You should. We had uh, scrambled egg and bacon chunks. And uh, I, I, you know, immediately start getting food ads. Uh, because I start describing the the names of food products in my in my description of photo, it's it's oh, really? unbelievably fast how how fast you get your ads wow. get tied to content on Facebook. Unreal. That is crazy. How, wow, how good they are at that. Uh, That's let, fascinating. Let's see. I let's see. Uh, see, the, the one thing that I actually sort of like about the photo display on Facebook now is that, you know, you do get ads on photos in the new photo light box, but, uh, if people comment on your photo, um, the ads get pushed off the page. So ads only get served to unpopular photos, which is interesting, interesting strategy. Isn't it? All right. I got nothing else to say. I feel yeah, like I've totally dominated the show today. Do you? Are you, you did. okay? I'm just. Are you okay? I know. I. I again. <laughs> I had a crazy morning and uh, had all your emails saved up to read this morning. Didn't get to them, so I feel like I. Yeah, wasn't wasn't there to commit. Or, right. you, or, had uh, it, you had it last week, but next. Okay. Next week's well, you. good. So we're so even. Where Where do you? Uh, where do people find you? Tell the world where to find you. Please, please come to strike10media.com. Awesome. You should do that. People go to strike10media.com. 
and then follow Dan on Twitter from there. Yeah, I I did a tweet this week. You did? <laughs> and last week. That's number seven and eight. It's pretty exciting. Nice work. Uh, you can find out more about the show at rashpixel.tv slash TMM. Go to that and you can... Find out more about the show. Catch up all of, with all of our uh, latest uh, issue, uh, episodes. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can also find us in Stitcher, Smart Radio. It's a smart, smart way to do talk radio online. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Download Stitcher.com or download the Stitcher app through your uh, uh, mobile app store of choice, and uh, just do a search for Rash Pixel. You'll find all the Rash Pixel shows, and uh, they can follow Rash Pixel on Twitter, and that'll just give you the. The update feed when uh, whenever a new episode goes live, so it's uh, it's pretty low traffic uh, feed uh, on the Twitter, or you can so, follow me at Pete Wright on Twitter too. I think that's all we got. It's good that's talking. All we got. It's good talking. To you. Happy Tuesday. Happy Goodbye. Tuesday. Get out of here.